Today is the fourth day of this June 2023 seven-day Sashin. And we're going to continue with the unborn, the life and teachings of Zen Master Banke, translated by Norman Waddell. And picking up from where we left off yesterday with Banke's talk given at Ryomonji. His message was simple. Each and every one of us, without exception, is a Buddha, endowed with a mind that is unborn, which means a mind that is free from delusion, free from obstructions, He says, if you establish yourself firmly in the unborn, that is, if you let go of your attachments to thoughts, experiences, objects, and people, if you establish yourself firmly in the unborn, then simply and without any trouble or effort, while sitting comfortably on the tatami mats, you're an authentic tathagata, a living Buddha. The eye to see others will open in you and you'll be able to see everything from the vantage point of realization. Notice that he says, he specifies, while sitting comfortably, without any trouble or effort. It is so important to relax into our seat, relax into our practice. And and that doesn't mean that our Attention should be aimless or passive. Just not forced or manufactured. It should be natural. If we're holding any tension in our body, we're more likely to be chasing after thoughts and vice versa. If we're chasing after thoughts, then we're likely to hold tension in our body. Also, if we're keeping a kind of stern or grim attitude in working on our koan, if we're overly serious about it, That might be grasping, looking outward instead of inward.
when we relax and instead take up an attitude of wonder and curiosity, open questioning, we can more readily just let the thoughts be. Just let them occur. In other words, we don't reject them, nor do we chase after them or dwell in them. And again, it, do, it doesn't matter that we have thoughts, nor what the thoughts happen to be about. Thoughts are equally the same. They lack substance. It doesn't matter if they're about turtles or cheese or uh, airplanes or any number of random things one can come up with or about oneself for that matter. It doesn't matter. Just let them be. Banke says, I never err in my judgment of people, nor does anyone else who has the eye of the unborn. Our school has been called the clear-eyed sect for that reason. When the eye to see others opens in you and you can see straight into their hearts, you may consider that you fully realized the Buddha's Dharma because then, at that very place, that's what you've done. When we see things clearly, not through the fog of thoughts, we realize that everyone, ourselves and everyone we look upon, everyone we meet, no matter who they are, what walk of life they come from, everyone, a Buddha. We recite in the four vows, all beings without number, I vow to liberate. We're not doing this work for ourselves alone. Fundamentally, we're not separate from other people, from other beings, from things. And then Banke says, until you realize for yourselves what I've just said, you may find it hard to believe. You may even think I'm trying to deceive you. But after you leave here, when the day comes that you do realize it, that very day, and at that very spot, whoever you are, you too will be able to see into others' hearts. You will, you'll know then that everything I've said is true. Be diligent now in the interests of that future day. Be diligent now in the future, in the interests of that future day. If I were lying to you, 
My tongue would be pulled out after I die for the sin of speaking falsehood. Do you think I'd be standing here telling you lies, knowing that I'd fall into the tongue-pulling hell for doing it? Be diligent. Don't waste a moment. Put your trust in yourself and in your practice. You know, practice is often described as an unending journey that takes lifetimes of work. That's not the whole of it. Practice also comes down to our attention in just one moment at a time. One moment is a, is a lifetime. This one, this one, I'm actually reminded of a pun that a friend shared with me last week. It was in his 365 days of dad jokes calendar. Dad jokes. He said, the past present and future, walk into a bar. It was tense. <laughs> only this, only this one, Forget about past and future. Forget about present, too. And then Banke continues. Once you come to be convinced that unborn, illuminating wisdom is unmistakably the Buddha mind, your belief in it becomes unshakable. It's as if all the people in the world were to get together and try to make you believe that a crow was a heron. 
since you know very well by your common experience that a crow is by nature black and a heron white, they couldn't convince you no matter how hard or how long they tried. Yeah, so he says your belief becomes unshakable. And it's, it's interesting that he uses the word belief. And I'm guessing it might be a translation issue. How do you put words to what is beyond belief, to what is just direct experience? How do you use words to convey, convey that which we embody, who we are? How could you call that a belief? It's like saying, I've come to believe I'm human. You know it yourself, directly in your own body-mind. Seeing what's been there all along. That a crow is a crow. And a heron, just a heron. That's it, right there. Simple. And yet we complicate, we complicate things with our thoughts. And that's why practice requires trust and faith. Faith in the fact that each one of us is endowed endowed with Buddha nature, through and through. Also faith in Zazen, this method of sitting still, doing this work together as a Sangha, shoulder to shoulder, or on Zoom, square to square, Banke then goes on. Every moment, day and night, is the fixed and appointed time for practice. I don't do as they do elsewhere and tell you that the period of practice begins at such and such a time. Everyone doesn't start dashing around making a great fuss. I wonder if he's referring to uh, training periods, you know, angos, these like three-month uh, sessions, as if you can just put practice into three months and that's it. Be like 
thinking that we only practice in sashin, or we only practice when the bell rings during the round. Can't contain it. Every moment, day and night, practicing continuously, not letting our guard down. And in Sashin, it can be difficult at times. We can inadvertently let our guard down during Kinhin, during periods of transition, or during break periods where we check out. If, you, if you've ever caught yourself staring out the window at the water table or just kind of looking aimlessly into the courtyard, pay attention to that. Bring it back. Don't take a thought break. And sometimes we can kind of get sucked into that for some degree of time. And, and uh, we discover, yeah, we've kind of dropped our practice. And then we hear the bell signaling the start of the next round or the block and that grabs our attention. We get frustrated and struggle to get our practice back. But remember, our, our true nature is always functioning. It's, it's not limited to where we happen to be in time and space. And it's also functioning when we're <laughs> caught up in thoughts doesn't start or end. When we hear the sound of the bell, it's right there. When we eat, just, just the eating. When walking, just the walking. We can never leave it. When sleeping, resting, every second and microsecond. Keeping our practice continuous both in and outside the zendo, or while practicing at home, comes down to our attention, giving our attention to it, making that shift in attention each time we notice we've gone off into thoughts. And there's no Measure stick, this is a good news. There's no measure stick or standard of perfection. 
that we need to, that we need to achieve. Nobody's going to judge you. And you shouldn't judge yourself. It's just the noticing and returning. And we get countless do-overs. And when we do that consistently, when we keep returning, keep returning, persistence, persistence, the best that we can, our thoughts do settle. Doesn't mean that they're going to go away completely. They just don't have the same hold on us. You know, practice is not a linear progression as much as we'd like it to be, nor is Sashin. We're not getting better and better and better at our practice. At any stage of Sashin, at times we're going to feel tired, yeah, or bored. Feel pain and struggle with it. But other times, we're going to feel motivated, energetic, driven, light, buoyant, and everything in between. All of it comes down to passing conditions that come and go passing through the mind, arising and disappearing. We don't have to do a thing about them. Just keep our attention calm and steady on our practice. Banke then gets into this story it's about a monk who was feeling sleepy. He says, There was once a monk in my temple who had been dozing off. Another monk saw him and really laid into him with a stick. course, in our tradition, we, we have the encouragement stick that the monitors use, the kiyosaku, and it's long been seen as an aid to practice. It's made of somewhat flexible wood, and it's um, used to tap pressure points uh, in the shoulders, at the, at the base of the neck, in that general region. And it's intended to arouse energy. And of course, it's available on a voluntary basis. Some people find it's really helpful in that way, in terms of generating energy and also easing tension. 
that we might be holding in our shoulders. And some people find just the sound of the stick itself helps to redirect their attention to their practice. Whack, whack. Whereas for others, they find it distracting or, or bothersome. It's, it's really individualized, and that's why the monitors are here to work with you. If you'd like it stronger, lighter, medium, more frequent, or no stick, the monitors are here for you. And back to the incident, though, with the monk who had struck another monk because he had been dozing off. Banke says, I reprimanded the monk. This is, he reprima reprimanded the monk who wielded the stick. Not the one who was dozing off. Why hit him when he's enjoying a pleasant nap? <laughs> Do you think he leaves the Buddha mind and goes somewhere else when he sleeps? Now, we don't go out of our way to urge people to take naps, yet neither do we hit them or scold them for it if they do. We don't scold or praise them for sleeping any more than we scold them or praise them for not sleeping. If you stay awake, you stay awake. If you sleep, you sleep. When you sleep, you sleep in the same Buddha mind you were awake in. When you're awake, you're awake in the same Buddha mind you were sleeping in. You sleep in the Buddha mind while you sleep and are up and about in the Buddha mind while you're up and about. That way, you always stay in the Buddha mind. You're never apart from it for an instant. You're wrong if you think that people become something different when they fall asleep. If they were in the Buddha mind only during their waking hours, and changed into something else when they went to sleep, that wouldn't be the true Buddhist Dharma. The, ne the need for sleep is a basic human need. Nearly all animals sleep. It's restorative. It's essential to the functioning of our organs. But in Sashin, we might find ourselves thinking about sleep in such a way that makes it into a, a dilemma. 
a problem. Hmm. How much sleep should I get tonight? When should I nap? What will happen if I stay up all night? Okay, I know. Uh, I'll sleep two hours tonight. Or no, let's make it one and a half. And then I won't sleep during the break. Or we might just try to power through every break. Yaza, in this kind of headstrong way, exhausting ourselves. If we're caught up in these kinds of thoughts or patterns, there's a good chance that we're in grasping, plotting, and planning mode. Trying to manage and control our practice and our Sashin experience. But for what purpose? Is there something to attain? Somewhere you need to get to? Is there anything you need to change about the conditions that you're in? Or about yourself? In Sashin, most of us are already sleeping less than we normally do. I'm assuming people don't keep the Sashin schedule uh, outside of Sashin. But most of us are sleeping less than we normally do um, simply because of that schedule. It's also true that many people find that they have more energy and need less sleep beyond the schedule allows for as the day goes by, as the days go by especially during the second half of sashin zazen generates energy and that's because we're not so bogged down or feeling the weight of thoughts they become lighter and we're fortified by our zazen. We're more capable of letting them go. There's a Japanese term for the power and energy that we generate through zazen. It's called joriki. And it arises as the mind becomes more concentrated. It arises naturally on its own. Just as long as we're keeping our attention, returning our attention to our practice.
And with Jariki, even when we're feeling on the surface kind of sleepy, or, or it might be just kind of blah feeling, beneath that is a well of energy that builds. It would be a big mistake not to take advantage of that energy. To not be diligent. A mistake to waste this precious week of Sashin. And in saying all of that, when you need to sleep, sleep, you're still a Buddha. Banke continues, you each received one thing from your mother when you were born, the unborn Buddha mind, nothing else. Rather than try to become a Buddha when you stay constantly in the unborn mind, sleeping in it when you sleep, up and about in it when you're awake, you're living Buddha in your everyday life at all times. There's not a moment when you're not a Buddha. Since you're always a Buddha, there's no other Buddha for you to become. Instead of trying to become a Buddha, then, a much easier and shorter way is just to be a Buddha. The unborn Buddha mind deals freely and spontaneously with anything that presents itself to it. But if something should happen to make you change the Buddha mind into thought, then you run into trouble and lose that freedom. Let me give you an example. Suppose a woman is engaged in sewing something. A friend enters the room and begins speaking to her. As long as she listens to her friend and sews in the unborn, she has no trouble doing both. In other words, her, her attention is just flowing freely. Her mind is undisturbed. But if she gives her attention to her friend's words, and a thought arises in her mind, and she thinks about what to reply, her hands stop sewing. If she turns her attention to her sewing and thinks about that, she fails to catch everything her friend is saying, and the conversation does not proceed smoothly. In either case, her Buddha mind has slipped from the place of the unborn. In other words, in that moment, her mind's divided. 
she has transformed it into thought. As her thoughts fix upon one thing, they're blank to all others, depriving her mind of its freedom. There's a term for this in the field of psychology, flow. Flow is used to describe a state of being fully immersed in what we're doing. We're not really conscious of what we're doing even. We're just so immersed in it. There's just the action. We respond freely, naturally, spontaneously, without hesitation. And then he says, in the unborn, all things fall right into place and remain in perfect harmony. When everything you do is done in accordance with the unborn, the eye that sees others as they are opens in you. The eye that sees others just as they are opens in you. And you know in your own mind that everyone you see is a living Buddha. Once you know the great worth of the Buddha mind, you can't leave it for illusion again. But as long as you're ignorant of its great value, you will continue to create illusions for yourself in whatever you do, insignificant things included, and you will live as an unenlightened person. Sashin is an opportunity like no other to open that eye. It's a precious opportunity to be able to put down our day-to-day -day affairs for a week and devote ourselves to practice fully. We didn't come here to devote ourselves to our thoughts and judgments. Nor to our self-narratives. our melodramas. We're not here to devote, our de devote ourselves to our ideas about the past or what the future might bring. 
We're here to devote ourselves just to this. In the closing words of his talk at Rio Monji, this is what Banke says. The working of your bright, illuminating Buddha mind's resplendent clarity is such that you can see and recognize a person over a block away. person's just a person. You could see a towering mountain peak 50 leagues distant. Just a mountain. Even behind rows of hills, you can see that mountain. And your Buddha mind can tell that it's Mount Fuji or Mount Congo or some other mountain. So while the Buddha mind is often compared to a mirror, how vastly different its brightness really is. How vastly different its brightness really is. Even the sun and moon light up only the earth and the heavens. And when you hear these words and understand and affirm them, in other words, experience it directly for yourself, look directly, you will know for yourself that the Buddha mind's wonderful brightness surpasses even the brightness of the sun and moon. What an incalculable treasure your Buddha mind is. This, this gem of pure awareness. Brighter than a mirror. We'll stop now and recite the four vows.